0: Radioinfluence.com Ladies and gentlemen, a wrestling contest for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Introducing the World's Heavyweight Champion, the Crusher. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. Hey, Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Cruschel, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, listen, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Subscribe to the podcast, get our newsletter, become a member. We have a brand new website coming. Stay tuned. Keep your eyes open because we've got a lot of cool new things we're going to be introducing, lots of ways that we can interact and get you more information than ever before. So we're really excited about that. And if you have any questions, if there's something you need help with or something you'd like us to investigate, let us know. Info at Crush Performance is the email. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all other platforms such out Crush Performance and we can hook up there. All right. Well, welcome to February. One step closer to spring and there is so much going on right now. It's actually a pretty cool time of year for sport. Of course, the Super Bowl is here. It is maybe the biggest sporting event on the sporting calendar, maybe outside of the Summer and Winter Olympics it's a doozy, and there's always so much going on around this particular game. The lead-up, of course, is exciting, whether you're a a football fan or not. Um, the lead-up in the playoffs, postseason, is just fantastic. Uh, but the Super Bowl itself, you do really get two of the best teams in the league. That's one great thing about that whole NFL process. But this one in particular is very interesting, and everybody knows why. But inside, just a Couple layers deeper than the fact you have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bucks and the Bucks playing at home for the first time, I think in NFL history, one of the Super Bowl teams will be playing in their home stadium. It's too bad. It's not going to be jam-packed, but there will be fans there. So it's going to be great. And I just think the fans just bring so much more to the game. I didn't realize how important fans were. Well, no, trust me. <laughs> I I was a strength coach with the Blue Jays. In the late 80s, into the early 2000s, into the mid-2000s. And uh, we hit some highs. And man, oh man, did we hit some lows. And when when Roger Center, of course, back in the day, it was called Skydome. When you're only getting 11,000, 15,000 people in that stadium, it seems empty. And it can be deflating for the players. I mean, they're all pros. We're all pros, of course. We play the game, compete hard. Um, but when the fans are there, man, oh man, y- you guys... The fans bring something special, for sure. So I'm glad there's going to be some fans there. Uh, And it's going to be exciting, of course, to watch. But to peel this back a couple layers, it's not just Mahomes and Brady. And the fact that we've got the new generation versus the seasoned Wiley veteran, right? That's really the conversation. Um, How good both of them are and how good they're both going to be yet. Brady still has years left. We don't know how long he's going to be able to go. And Mahomes, well, I mean, if they can keep that core team around him... Oh boy, we've got years and years to watch this kid. We we'll just work his magic, and he is playful out there, man. He is creative. He's having fun, and that's a huge tribute to that organization and the coaching staff there, and of course the players around him. It's a team effort. Don't get me wrong; they're just two guys uh, on on teams. They're 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 pieces of a team, important pieces, uh, but they can't do what they do. If the people around them aren't as incredible. So um, that's going to be fun to watch. But more so from the crush performance standpoint, one of the things we're really interested here, uh, interested in, is the, of course, the age difference. But now the expanding window of talent. And we talked about this several years ago. Just the trend we're starting to see. New, young, high-performing talent entering the highest levels of sport. And it's starting to trickle in. You know, players younger and younger are not just coming into play. They're coming in, they're competing, and perhaps even changing the level of play inside of various sports. Actually, every sport we're seeing the young guns come in. 18, 19 years of age, sub-20s coming in and just impacting sport. But then on the other end, we're seeing seeing the Wiley veterans extend their careers longer. Uh, and that's a tribute to injury prevention, athlete management, sports science at its finest but also to the will, tenacity, perseverance, and determination of these athletes. And Tom Brady's a classic example. How much farther is he going to go? Um, He doesn't need to play right now. We know that. But let's face it, it's in his blood. And what a heck of a story he is, by the way, uh, right from him getting drafted uh, to where he is today. So, so many great things going on around the Super Bowl. We're going to watch that with great interest. Right around the corner, Major League Baseball, spring training. If things go according to schedule... We'll be talking about the 2021 Major League Baseball season, pitchers and catchers, mid-February. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of variables here because there's already talk about um, delaying spring training into March, which would lead to a compressed, shorter season of maybe they're talking 154 games. Does that mean a shorter spring training, less preparation time? Does that mean taxi squads? Does that mean... Uh, no minor leagues this year. We don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know about the professional baseball season, but it's close, and the conversations are starting to get very, very serious. The players want to go as usual. They say, look, hey, man, if we can operate in a bubble uh, with no problems, we should be able to execute this entire season if everybody's smart. We're watching the NBA, of course, and how they're rolling along, and they've got their issues right now. And, of course, Manfred is saying, okay, if we do roll, um, we have the right to just cancel the season at any point. If there's danger, of course, COVID, infections, danger to people's health. And that's just the responsible thing to do. So we're watching that with great interest. And we're actually excited because, boy, to have baseball back again and and maybe get in uh, some reasonable simulation of a, of a full season. Man, would that be fantastic right now? Because it was actually a pretty exi- exciting offseason in Major League Baseball. So we watched there. Uh, the transfer window in Premier League uh, football soccer in Europe is closed. And there was a lot of action there. So much my head is spinning. I'm a huge fan of that game. Huge fan. Just the level of play, the talent, but also inside, um, for better or for worse, how that league and that sport throughout Europe is developing talent. I mean, holy smokes. Their academy teams go right down to the little duffers. And I'm talking little duffers, 8, 9, 10 years of age, sometimes younger with these academy programs that they have. So they are scouting and developing talent right from the grassroots all the way up. And it's an experiment to watch. They're not having a lot of success. And I'm not sure it's true development, to tell you the truth. Uh, But uh, at the top, you do see some amazing players play. So, again, uh, the Premier League is off and running. And my head spins. So much action. So many teams. And um. um it's hard to follow over here, but but I do love it, and that's fun to watch. The Australian Open, February 8th. Here we come. Tennis is back, and hopefully they can operate. I don't know about fans there, but it's going to be fun to watch. And the tennis uh, season always brings around great conversations when we're talking talent and athlete development and top performance. And we're keeping a very close eye on the Olympics. The organizers are pushing for Olympics, but there's so many variables here that – It's still very, very up in the air. And, of course, we feel for all the athletes, coaches, administrators, support staff that have been involved in preparing and maintaining these athletes and all these delays. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Tough times. Tough times. So we're watching the Olympic decision with great, great interest because there's a lot of implications here on on sport and even future sport as well. And, um, again, wherever there's difficulties, there's also opportunities. So we're going to see how they – how they move forward, and then they, how they decide to make this work in lieu of maybe a cancellation. Maybe they change the rotation of future Olympics because the facilities are done, they're ready to roll. And we can't just have those facilities sitting there never to be used. Uh, we want to showcase them and, and and give them their due, all the organizers and the people of the country there. Um, and and maybe for Olympics to come. We don't know what's going to happen with the Winter Olympics as well. So uh, that's another one to watch. And let's face it. Hey man. Groundhog Day. February 2nd. Just past Groundhog Day. And in these COVID times. I don't know if you guys are like me. We're trying to make every day exciting and new. We're trying to push forward with purpose. But it's tough. COVID man. And for the kids out there. The athletes. Um, our college athletes. Our pro athletes. Whose seasons have been cancelled. Delayed. And put on hold. what? An incredible time. And Groundhog Day just sums it right up. We were talking about this earlier with a with a core group of friends and colleagues of mine earlier this week. It does seem like Groundhog Day, but we're going to try to bust out of that today. All right? We're not going to get caught in the rut of Groundhog Day because we can't afford it. Time is precious. And we've got to try to capitalize as difficult as it is right now with all of the uncertainties due to covid inside of sport and outside of sport, we have to move forward with purpose. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some pockets of society that are flourishing in these downtimes. And uh, some, you know, our frontline medical workers, uh, God bless them all. And, you know, we salute them and thank them for everything they're doing. Man, oh, man, it has not been Groundhog Day for them. It has been peddled to the metal. So we're thinking about you guys and we thank you for sure. Uh, and we're hoping to a speedy resolution as the vaccines start rolling out here. But in the meantime, in between time, everybody, this is going to end. And hopefully sooner than later. And I know we've been saying that for way too long, but I think the light is now shining at the end of that tunnel. Let's get ready to rumble. Here's what I'd like to do today. All right. You know, we, we've we've had a lot of great emails and and notes coming in from our listeners and crush followers. And let me tell you, this is a dedicated following. Listen, thank you. I could tell by the emails and the notes that we get and looking at the downloads on our podcast and the people who are tuning in terrestrially. Um, Boy, you know, and we're, we're honored here to be just part of your process. But one of the messages that we've been getting here lately, as we sort of embark on this new year with two major themes this year, talent and the crush brain game. And when it comes to talent Look, we're talking about talent development, talent ID, trying to get a better understanding of that whole process because we're not doing a very good job of it all. So we're kicking that off here in 2021, and it's going to be one of our major annual themes this year, and we're excited about it because if we can get our heads around this and where we're at Uh, in terms of our our knowledge and our application of what we do know about talent and talent development, we're going to do some great things for future athletes and future sporting systems because we're not doing a great job now. We're doing an okay job. But trust me, good is the enemy and the downfall of great. One of the greatest issues that we face right now is good. We're satisfied with good. Ah, it works. That's okay. That's good. Well, not good enough. Okay, it's not good enough at all. So um, uh, this year we're going to really work hard to expand our knowledge on talent talent ID and talent development and share with you everything that we know uh, when it comes to long-term planning and also attacking in the moment, whether it's grassroots, intermediate, high school, collegiate, semi-pro or amateur pro. Uh, National Team Olympic, or our pro guys. There's different priorities as we move through the developmental stages of an athlete. But our true understanding of talent is an umbrella. It's sort of like a macro nutrient. It's like a macro concept when it comes to performance. And we don't have a very good handle on it. And rightfully so. I mean, really, if you look back at the research, um, the real serious research has been going on for hundreds of years. But we really haven't started digging down deep since you know the year 2000. So, you know, in in terms of historical knowledge, we're on the front edge. We're in the infancy of our deep dive research into talent and talent development. We don't know what it is. Heck, we don't even have a consensus on a definition. If we were to go out and ask 20 different coaches what their definition of talent is, we would probably see 20 variations of, of what it is. If we were to ask 20 athletes what talent is, we may get some very, very different definitions. In terms of what they believe talent is. So I think coming up with that consensus of what it is and then how to approach it and how it develops, that's going to be an exciting venture for this year. And then, of course, the crush Brain Game is our other sort of macro umbrella comp concept that we'll be attacking this year. And for, for me personally, it's one of the most critical elements in human performance. And here as well, we're just on the front edge of the very infancy of our understanding here. The good thing is all the research that's been done into brain and brain performance in the past for the last hundred years or so. And what's been happening even over the last five years has really set the stage for where we are right now. And trust me, the brain and our understanding of the brain and the technology that's allowing us to train the brain has brought us to a point that might be um, maybe the most exciting time in human performance. Okay, but none of that matters if you don't have a model in place. So here's what I'd like to do today, everybody. I would like to take you uh, through the process as if you were one of our clients, whether you're one of our athletes, one of our teams, one of our organizations. And there's just a system that we've come up with to help organizations, teams, and individual athletes tap into, understand, and map their future progress. And it's not the only way to do it. We've just found it works very, very well at every single level of sport. Because as our athletes come into the system, um, they stay. Organizations that come into the system, once you get this ball rolling, once you turn them onto the path, they stay on this path and build on it going forward. Now, it's never the same for everybody, but there are fundamental principles that need to happen here. And that's what I want to do today. So how about this? How about we take you through the process? We talk about the concepts. We talk about the strategies. We've got to get everybody on the same page. So if we were to intake you as an athlete or as a team or as an entire organization, there's a process that we have to go through. And we all need to be on the same page. Okay, We all have to have the understanding of what it is. And based on everything that we know right now, we've come up with a process. It's our performance plan, the Crush Performance Plan. And I wanna take you through that today. So, coming up right after this break, we are going to start just laying out the groundwork as if we were doing our initial intake meeting. Um, Just talking shop. Hey, what is development all about? What do you think it is all about? Where are you at? And how do we plot your course for where you wanna go? So, we're gonna cut off for a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna set you up with a Crush Performance Plan so you can move forward with confidence and with purpose stick around everybody we're going to crush it right after this get the crush vlog podcasts twitter and facebook links at crushperformance.com now back to the show all right welcome back to crush performance everybody thanks for sticking around over the break listen if you want to reach out to us do so crushperformance.com is the website info at crush performance is the email questions Comments, smart remarks, <laughs> we love them all, we honestly do, and we answer every single message we get. Plus, if you have an idea or a topic you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We may dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your emails. This episode is one of those, by the way. We had four or five emails over the last uh, two weeks here, just asking about the process of development. So today, we're taking you through the Crush Performance Plan, whether you're an individual athlete whether you're the coach or administrator or an entire team, or whether you're the GM, owner, or an organization with multiple teams and a long-term development system, um, we're going to run you through some of the concepts we truly believe in if you're going to reach your potential. All right? On Twitter, you can follow me, at Jeff Crush, and on all other platforms, search out Crush Performance, and we can hook up there. All right, let's get into it because we've got a lot to talk about in a very, very short time. So whenever we take somebody into our programs or into our system, and again, there's many, many ways to do this, and there's lots of great things going on out there. We just happen to have developed a system that really, really works with our beliefs and our knowledge and the structures that we've seen really, really influence, uh, that influence the development of athletes, teams, and organizations. And it's a long game. It truly is a long game. Don't get me wrong. There are windows of opportunity through development, and there's also priorities through the development of an athlete, the progress of a team, or through the structure of an organization. And they all need to be addressed and run in sync. But first things first, before we start planning, programming, and training, we have to make sure we're all on the same page. And one of the first things that I like to address is the understanding of performance and the hierarchy of what's important. Because... Before we can truly influence performance outcomes, we have to have our strategies in place. And for us, it's a, very simple, it's a very simple structure. It's a very simple hierarchy of priorities. Number one, the top priority in any one of our programs is the performance outcome. And in sport, that's the player, the athlete, the team, the organizational performance outcome. And that comes from the players. The technical, tactical, their skill set inside of their sport, regardless of what their sport is. The player is the top priority in the hierarchy of development here. So we need to make sure that's taken care of. But in order for that to happen, we have to make sure that that player is armed with everything he or she needs to reach their potential. And that comes down to the athlete. Do you have the athletic prowess, the athletic abilities, the athletic tools you need To be as coachable and as trainable as possible inside of your sport. And that varies from sport to sport. Heck, it can vary from positions inside of a sport. But it's a very, very important concept that we often overlook. We're more reactive than we are proactive when it comes to this. We react to what an athlete is doing, what he needs to do. Rather than planning ahead, building on the blocks. Building on the abilities of the player. Working with the technical, tactical side to make sure they have what they need in that athlete, in order to take their playing ability to the next level. And all of this, all of this comes down to four fundamental principles that we have just deemed the priorities for performance. And in our world, everything revolves around rest, recovery, and sleep. Now, listen, if you listen to the show, if you're one of the loyal crush followers, I thank you for this. But we need you talking about this in your community. All right? And again, I'm not saying that, that this is the only way to do it. I'm just saying that nobody's been able to convince me there is a better, more sound way to address the true development of athletes than this. Establish our priorities. And if we're not attacking these four priorities, possibly five right now, you don't have a chance of reaching your true potential. I repeat, if you aren't soundly addressing these principles, you cannot reach your potential as a player. Those performance outcomes are not what they could be. And our number one priority, this is crush performance now. This is the way we look at it. And you can just, you know, it's food for thought. But if you were coming into our our organization, if we were to take you on as a client, we attack these. We attack these with everything we have. Because we know if we have these in place, we can really, really help you achieve. So we start off. Our number one priority Rest, recovery and sleep, the quality of rest, the quality of recovery and the quality of your sleep. If there's one thing we need to talk to every one of our athletes, our kids, our children, our students, our employees. If there's one thing we can really talk about and encourage people to do, it's sleep, protect your sleep. And for our athletes, we tell them, protect your deep sleep with everything you are. Now, again, we're going to be talking about sleep all year long because it's one of the key components of the brain game and also in terms of talent and talent development. You cannot, you cannot reach your potential if you aren't sleeping properly or if there's a sleep issue. You can be good, but I don't think you're ever truly going to see how good you can be if we're not addressing this properly. Okay, so uh, sleep, recovery, and rest is number one. This is the first thing we do, and we'll spend a lot of time with a, with a client going over these, talking about the strategies. And then also this includes the performance team. Now the teams are on the coaches. They're working with the trainers, the psychology people, everybody that's on their performance team. If there is anybody, if there's, if there's not, that's fine. It's you. And then it's me. And we start building this together. And if we do need new team members, we strategically bring the right people in, but either way, everybody has to be on the same page here. Everything has to work around rest, recovery, and sleep. Now in the sporting world, we are at the mercy of competitive schedules. So we have to look at the competitive schedule, and we have to see how we can optimize rest, recovery, and sleep within that within that schedule. Travel schedules, competition times, uh, day, night, travel, everything else, eating times, everything that goes along with that. So, so that is one of the tricky things. But here's the cool thing that we're seeing in sport now. The NBA has already done it. They have actually adjusted their competitive schedule so their players can rest better. And again, going back to the bubble last year in the NBA, the biggest comment that came out of that bubble was the increase in improved quality of play. And the feedback from the players. I feel more rested. I feel more ready. I have more energy. They're not flying around. They're not jumping from here to there. They're not eating late at night. They got into a beautiful routine routine inside the bubble. Well, even prior to COVID, the NBA has probably been the most progressive in terms of adjusting their schedule to help the players achieve their goals and play at their best. That's better for the fans. It's better for the athletes. And it sure as heck is better for the sport. The one thing we don't see is we don't see that trickling down to grassroots, which is something we are really trying to encourage. Because our young athletes are over-competing. They're over-training. They're over-scheduled. Rest, recovery, and sleep are the keys, the true linchpins to human performance. And if they're not addressed properly, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot reach your potential, period. Second, nutrition and hydration. You've heard about this all your life, but are you actually doing it right? This is the second thing we really sit down and address. And if we need to bring in experts, we do. We'll bring them in to help lay out the plan. If it's an Olympic athlete going into, going into a competitive training season, and we're looking at real strategic eating times and call for nutrients. Our endurance athletes, like our Ironmen and our triathletes, for example, man, the, part of the great fun is just the n- nutrient timing for competition. And then getting those athletes thinking about that as they're training and getting used to it. It's just, it's really a lot of fun. But listen, if, if there was a low hanging fruit in the performance world right now, if you wanted to give yourself an edge in the competition, probably the easiest thing you could do is hydrate properly. That's part of our nutrition hydration program. We have rarely, rarely seen an athlete at any level that truly hydrates properly. And listen, hydration impacts... Everything you do, you know, nutrition does, of course, and hydration is part of nutrition. Your mom used to say, my mom used to say, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. You know, I was a cookie monster as a kid, you know, didn't have a lot of sweets and stuff. But man, when there were fresh cookies around, they disappeared really, really quick. Quick. My mom used to say, hey, listen, you are what you eat, man. You want to become a cookie You keep eating like that? Of course, she was joking. We didn't get cookies that often. But I'm telling you what, she was more right than she probably even knew. You are what you eat. And we've got such a better understanding of biochemistry right now and how the body reacts to the foods that we eat. And that's part of the crush war on sugar. Listen, that crush war on sugar, ladies and gentlemen, I humbly say, is maybe one of our most important pieces of work. And again, on the new website that's coming, we're going to have that all compartmentalized. All the entire history of the crush war on sugar from six or eight years ago and all the incredible people we've had on over the years is going to be at your fingertips. And I'm going to encourage everybody time and time again to go back and listen to that because what we're learning now about how sugars and the foods we eat are influencing uh, our bodies and our health, oh my goodness, we have an uphill battle. But when it comes to performance for our athletes, oh my gosh, what an incredibly powerful tool this is if you get it right. Okay. And you don't need to be crazy here for our baseball guys. You know, you just need to be really smart with this. You don't, it's not like you can't eat pizza. It's not like you can't have a cold beer or a glass of wine. It's not like you can't have a candy bar or a bag of chips once in a while. It just has to be done right. It really, truly does. And that has a lot to do, again, with the competitive schedule. Okay? The next for our athletes. So, we rest, recovery, sleep, nutrition. The next thing we would talk about if we were to sit down with you as an athlete or as a client is we would do a posture analysis. And whether this is a functional movement screening, uh, whether it's just a, a, a basic posture analysis looking at muscle symmetries, skeletal alignment, we also look at range of motion around your joints. And if there's anything that's in the danger zone there, listen, we sometimes stop athletes from competing, especially in the one-sided sports. But believe it, it's not just the one-sided sports like golf, baseball, tennis, uh, even our world-class curlers. Man, the asymmetries in their muscle development – that leads to asymmetries in their skeletal alignment, which leads to, um, you know, potential uh, joint pain and, and injury, increase of injury. Lots of issues here. Um, but even with our hockey players, a right-handed hockey player will have different asymmetries than a left-handed hockey player. And that's from the ground up because it changes how they skate It changes how their hips work. It changes how their core operates. It also changes the alignment of their shoulder girdle. And that affects the integrity and range of motion of some of the joints. So we do a posture range of motion analysis because if you're not functioning properly, if you're not set up properly, you can't succeed. You can't train at the highest level. Now, listen, some of these asymmetries that happen are influenced by the sport. Um, can actually be beneficial. And and that has to be analyzed as well. And inside of that, we also look at at the context of the athlete, the history, injury history, and where those injuries come from. Because uh, one of the great things that happens when we start organizing these types of programs is we see a massive, massive decrease in injury. Injury prevention, of course, is one of our top priorities, but that's just a beautiful byproduct of doing things properly. But getting an injury history here is really important. How did the injury happen? When did it happen? Where are you in terms of your rehab and what did you do to rehab? Most of the athletes we see um, really respond well to rehab um, and they get great gains and great performance gains after they're done the rehab. But we're prehabbing. We're not rehabbing. All right. The reason they get such great results after they've done their rehabilitation is because they're finally doing things properly. And hopefully that sets them up for success moving forward. But we want to try to avoid those injuries at all costs. All right. Injuries are going to happen. There's so many variables involved here. But one of our priorities is to minimize the risk of injury. And then our fourth priority is movement. Oh, it's a beautiful conversation. And this is where things get fun. Because everything we do revolves around helping an athlete become a better mover and then a better mover for their sport. And this becomes very sport specific. There are fundamental principles here that we'll have to talk about. And and hopefully at some point we can get together or we'll just shoot a video and we'll teach you our, our approach to teaching athletes how to move. Listen, we have taken veterans of professional sport and just shown them some simple principles of movement and boom, they just go to another level. But when we start our young athletes moving properly from day one, oh man, oh man, it's just fun to watch. Because every every time you go out and move properly, you just, you've changed the trajectory of your development. As opposed to somebody who's not moving properly, working as hard. Maybe they're as dedicated. Maybe they're putting in as much work. Maybe they're as passionate or more passionate. But they're not moving properly. Or they don't understand the concepts of movement. All right. And, and that's, that's a lot of fun. And then, of course, we have this dark horse or loose cannon. I'm not even sure what to call it, but it's the crush brain game. All right. Now, I've always been fascinated by psychology, I've been fascinated by neuroscience ever since I started school. You know, one of the most difficult and most rewarding classes I ever took at university was neuroscience. And that really actually changed my trajectory in terms of a coach because it gave me an understanding of how important the nervous system is. And this is way, way back in the day. But where we are at right now, and this is the inspiration behind the Crush Brain Game, one of our two priorities for this entire season. But listen, the Brain Game is going to be a Crush Top priority. And for a number of reasons. We're not even sure yet where it is on the hierarchy. Is it first? Is it something you address first and foremost? Do we need to make sure that, that the brain um, and everything that that entails is on course in order for everything else to work? We don't see it happening that often right now. Most of the, the approach to the, the, the mental side of sport is more reactionary. Though we're seeing a lot of progressive stuff going on. You know, where We're talking about mindset. We're talking about mindfulness. We're talking about breathing, deep breathing and meditation. This is all part of the brain game. It's our personality, it's our approach, it's our our problem solving, our coping, it's how we deal with things. Okay, it's also our learning and how we process sensory information and put it together for outcomes and performance outcomes. It's maybe for me it's the most exciting part of human performance right now because I truly do believe it holds the greatest potential for moving us forward. So those are our priorities and we're going to work on the brain game more. Those are our priorities. OK, and that this would be the first session or maybe even the first week of sessions sitting down with our athletes, our teams or our organizations. Because listen, again, if this isn't in place, if we're not all collectively thinking about this, we cannot reach your potential. It is just not possible. And again, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but just over the years of experience, this is the plan that, that I've come up with. And, and up until now, nobody's been able to change my mind. Just a little caveat here before we cut out for a quick break is if there is something that comes up in the science or the research, there's something that we learn tomorrow, next week, a year from now that makes us uh, understand something differently. We will change. Trust me. This 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 system has changed. It's morphed into what it is right now. And based on everything that we know right now. This is the approach we're taking to help our athletes, our teams, our organizations truly tap into their potential, and it's exciting times. And we're constantly looking to improve it. But this is it right now. Hey, listen, we're going to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, let's put it all together. Let's start mapping out our plan. We're going to show you how to put it all together and how to start making progress. Right after this on Crush Performance, stick around, everybody. Lots more to come. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at CrushPerformance.com. And welcome back to Crush Performance everybody. Jeff Crushell here. Hey, listen, if you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out to us. Info at Crush Performance is our email. We answer every single message we get, so please do write. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on social media, search out Crush Performance and we'll hook out there. All right, we got to get to it because we don't have a lot of time left. This is a massive topic we've taken on today. It's the Crush Performance Plan. We're literally taking you through the system that we put our clients through. Uh, When we take on an athlete, a team or organization, this is the approach we take to help get them on track and maximize performance outcomes at the other end. And it's a long game. All right, a couple things, just a couple of <laughs> comments that have come in here. Yes, I'm stuffed up. I know it. Okay, uh, Jake, who's a longtime listener, writes in quite often. Says, hey, Crusher, you sound pretty stuffed up, man. Yes. So what I just discovered is I got a nasal infection somehow along the way, and it's been causing headaches and stuff. So we're taking care of that. I'm not a big like uh, antihistamine type type of uh, taker, but I've got to do something here. So, yes, I apologize hopefully you guys can deal with it and it doesn't take away from the information and then the second thing is uh, a little personal information on on myself is i also discovered i have a broken back <laughs> as crazy as that sounds compression fractures a little a little disc problems and it all happened from a mountain bike crash last year i'm really really trying to push my mountain biking to a new level and last year, I was getting a little cocky on a new bike, just trying to get familiar with this new bike. And it was pushing me a little harder than I was pushing it. And boom, crashed. And had it was this last November. It took some inventory. It was okay, but it's been bothering me ever since. So a couple of months ago, I finally went in. I said, look, this is not getting better. Took some x-rays, did an MRI. And yeah, man, got some back issues. So I'm going in this week, believe it or not, to um, get this addressed. And I'll keep you guys posted because again, you know um, I haven't had a lot of surgeries, not a lot of health issues. um, But when it, when it came to our, our players and them getting surgeries, their injuries, I tried to be as involved as possible. And if I could sit in on the surgeries, I would, I talked to the surgeons, stay really tight with the medical staff because when it came time for return to play, I wanted to make sure we had everything in context. And so, um, I'm not looking for sympathy here, but I'm just saying, hey, look, I've got back problems. A lot of our athletes have back problems, and now I'm actually going through it. Uh, So I'm going to experience it firsthand. And on the other end, hopefully this will help us all uh, in our understanding and how to prevent it, first of all, but certainly how to rehab it, deal with it, and get back to play. So I'll keep you posted on that as well. All right, getting back to it. Um, We just talked about setting everybody up for success. Again, if we were to take you on As an athlete, as a team or an organization, this is the process we would go through. And again, this is just from years and years of experience and talking to some of the best people in the world and working with some really, really incredible people in sport, top to bottom. Um, This is the system that we've come up with based on everything that we know right now. And frankly, we've had unbelievable success. And we're seeing a lot of this starting to happen out there, but We've got to do it. We've got to do it more, and we have to do it better on the big scale. And I'm talking from grassroots up, and that's kind of what it's all about. So we just took you through what would be our initial phase, our introduction, making sure we're all on the same page, making sure that everybody on the team understands the priorities of development. Those priorities, those five priorities, right? Rest, recovery, sleep, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, movement, and of course the brain game. Those five things need to be operating properly if we're truly, truly going to help you achieve your performance goals. And then we start putting it together. And listen, a performance plan, it's just like planning a trip. And step number one is you need to understand very clearly where you want to go. And there's a there's an art to goal setting. There is an art to goal setting, but it doesn't need to be complicated. We're chasing down your dream. But here's the kicker. The more clear that dream is, the more... Accurately, it's defined. The more concise our plan of attack can be. So really, really understanding where you want to go um, is important. And we're huge fans of thinking big. College, to your dream college, or to your pro draft. Getting on a national team, competing at a certain Olympics in a certain place. Or even better, I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Frank Thomas. He didn't think about how great he was going to be as a ball player. He didn't think about all-star games. He didn't think about championships. He had his mindset from the beginning focused on the Hall of Fame. And voila, there he is in Cooperstown, the Hall of Fame. There is a true power to thinking big, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm all for it. But the first step in the performance plan is really clearly understanding where you want to go. And then number two, you have to really understand where you're at right now. And this is something we don't do well. We're actually pretty good at dreaming big. And I'm a big fan of that, but I'm an even bigger fan of personal awareness and understanding. And clearly understanding where you're at right now, we're terrible at it. It's something we don't do well, and you're going to need help on this one. Okay, there's one thing that we've discovered over the years working with athletes at every level of sport. We're really not good at self-evaluation, unless you've been around people who've helped you along that path. And it is a critical path. So step number one in the performance plan, getting everybody on the same page. Okay, once we start the plan, we need to understand where we want to go long term. And then we reverse engineer that. What are the steps back to where we are right now? And listen, you have to have a clear idea of where you're at right now. And sometimes that is a hard, hard thing to do. It's very humbling. It can be discouraging when you start getting the real truths about where you're at. But when we align an athlete's self-awareness or a team's self-awareness or an organization's self-awareness with where they're at and where they need to go and all the obstacles that are in the way, that's where the true power lies. Because once you really understand where you're at and where you want to go, now we can start mapping out the plan. We can start mapping out your trip. And that starting point is very critical, more critical than I think people realize. If you're a youth athlete, and I just love, I love getting involved with the youth athletes because now we start planning the long game, the long game of development years and years in advance. We start planning it out, getting an understanding of where a youth athlete is, is going to be very different than say an elite high school athlete or junior college athlete. The starting point will be very different. The goals and objectives currently might be a little bit different. But we still have to map out their long game. What are their goals moving forward and reverse engineer that back to where they are in high school? Same thing for our college pro and Olympic athletes. For our Olympic athletes, for example, it's a four year plan. But, you know, depending on the age of that athlete and the career span of the athlete and the sport they're in, we may plan eight years or even 12 years, three Olympic cycles. Right. For our pro guys year to year. But hey, listen, where are they at in their career? Are they a seasoned veteran for a seasoned veteran? Our priority might be injury prevention. Don't don't ever think we're not attacking something, but it might be maintaining a lot of things in terms of performance outcomes. A huge priority on injury prevention, recovery and regeneration and their levels of readiness day to day. But when you get those experienced athletes, you can really, really target specific things and have a massive impact in their performance. That's one of the really rewarding parts of working with elite, elite athletes, seasoned athletes. But there's rewards at every level of sport. You get uh, drafted players. And now we know that players who are drafted in the NFL, NBA, you know, where typically players go from college right into the pros, it's still not a very, very good conversion rate. And when you start talking about hockey and the Bantam draft or Major League Baseball and and the draft and the years of, of development, they all have their own nuances, right? There's different senses of urgency. And when you get down to the athletes, the teams, and the organizations and what they need, that all has to come together now. But at the end of the day, the individual athlete has to compete. And this is where the bitter reality of this whole model comes into place. Our job is to make you, as an athlete... As valuable as you can possibly be right now with an eye in the long game. Now for our youth athletes, we can maybe take a step back. We can sacrifice a few performance outcomes to build a foundation that's going to launch them forward. That's a true example of, of three steps back, five steps forward. That's a long game. The urgency as you raise rise up the, the levels of competition, the urgency becomes a little more critical where we need performance outcomes. So the adjustments might not be as large. We need to attack things, but still keeping our eye on the long game, depending on where the particular athlete's at. When we talk about teams, we talk about talent pools or organizations, their long-term development programs. Most organizations don't have them. They don't. It's very, very reactive, but we're starting to see it now. And I'm excited about sport, especially at the higher levels. So that's the second step of the process, really evaluating where you want to go, clear, concise, Really, truly understanding where you're at right now and then starting to map that plan out just like a trip, planning it out and get set because just like any trip you've ever taken, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, a delay, a missed flight, uh, 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 a charter bus breaks down, um, hotel rooms aren't booked, uh, uh, whatever it might be. You get sick while you're traveling. There's ups and there's downs and there's things that are great. Hey, you get an upgrade. You go to Vegas, your room's booked. Somebody wants to stay longer. Hey, you all of a sudden you get a suite on the high rollers floor. It's happened. It's happened to me. These are the great things that happen. Or um, you're sold out and the flight's over, overbooked and you get bumped up to first class. It's happened. Those are the good things. Hey, same thing in sport. And you're going to need strategies to deal with this. And a couple strategies that we really do endorse. And we talk to our athletes about coping strategies almost. But it's almost like armor, all right? It's armor that you can use to help deal with the adversity that is sport and sport performance at every level of the game. And this stuff crosses into real life as well. You can use this in your relationships. You can use this in your schooling. You can use this in any aspect of your life. And that's the glory of it all. And that's where you have to really look at the holistic part of development. You have the athlete, but you also have the person because we're all human at the end of it. And we have a little three word system that, you know, we've sort of devised over the years, but it, you know, has its roots in our time with the late and great um, performance coach, Harvey Dorfman. And it's a three word system that I have seen firsthand turn careers around professional careers, minor league careers, young developing athletes. Three simple words, approach, result, response. It's a system. We talk about working with purpose. This gives you purpose, pitch by pitch, shift by shift, shot by shot, quarter by quarter, week by week, month by month, year by year, Olympics by Olympics. You formulate your approach, which is what we're talking about here. Our our planning, our performance plan is our approach. Now we're going to get into it. And trust me, the best laid plans of mice and men. We are going to write up the best damn program possible for you. And it may change after day one. It might change in the first hour. The second we see you run backwards, we might stop, halt and just stop everything because most athletes that I've worked with don't know how to run backwards properly. But this is, this is the, this is the glory of this. You have an approach, you set it up, you go execute the result. Listen to me is very out of your control. But what happens based on your approach How you respond is maybe the most important part of the formula. How you respond for your next approach. How you retool. How you get set for your next approach. Boom, you put it out there, you get a result. You adapt again. That worked well, let's do it again. Boom, that worked well, let's master that. Boom, approach, result, response. Three powerful words, ladies and gentlemen. Share them with everybody you know. And if there was one other thing that we really encourage our athletes, our teams, our organizations to get good at. It's problem solving. If I had a dream right now for everybody, it would be setting up a system where everybody can become problem solvers. Oh gosh, the stress would just drop. There's always going to be stress, but you know, if we really do frame it up, right as cliche as this might sound, you know, every problem is an opportunity. It really is. Cause in the other side of every problem, once you get through it, you are so much better. You're so much more valuable You're so much more valuable once you figure it out. Because once you figure out that problem, once you get through it, it opens up, boom, other doors of opportunity. Opportunity feeds opportunity. Problems feed opportunity. Part of my job is to create chaos and problems for you to overcome so we can have better and higher level performance outcomes at the end of the day. That's my job. Working with the technical tactical coaches. That's my job is to make you more equipped to deal with the challenges of your sport, your position in your sport. Oh, it's great stuff. But become a problem solver. Step number one, okay? And we often say this, if we're going to look at it, step number one here is a problem accurately defined is already partially solved. It's one of my favorite sayings. It's much like us defining our clearly defining our goals and objectives. Really clearly defining where we're at right now. We need to define our problems accurately. So we can attack them with clarity and purpose. This is the game plan. Once your compass is pointed, you got your plan of attack, then you address the setup. And listen, you have your athlete performance plan. That's rest, recovery, sleep, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion. We have movement and everything we do is to help you become a better mover inside of your sport, including the brain game. All right. But then you have organizational performance as well. And when we talk about team and organizational performance, we talk about discipline integration. Because if we're not integrated, we're not operating properly. And that's why we're starting to see in sport now, directors of performance, directors of sport science, directors of player development. Okay? And they might not even be a technical tactical coach. As a matter of fact, more and more organizations are moving away from the technical tactical coaches overseeing player performance. Because the coaches are very domain specific. They're a hitting coach. They're a goalie coach. They're a a offensive coach, a defensive coordinator. They have their incredible specialties. But to understand the true, true world of performance development and athlete development, that's a big picture thing. And it starts outside of sport. As a matter of fact, if we saw a player with a huge performance deficit, we may ask them to walk away from the game for a period of time so we can rebuild them, restructure them so they can do what they need to do in order to be successful. At any level of the game, trust me, this is how it works. Once we're all on the same page in terms of our developmental process, once we have your trip planned, now we can start training. And while everything here is designed to improve performance outcomes inside of your sport, sometimes... You have to take a step back, retrain the body. And, and some of the training that we do actually is not conducive to performance outcomes in sport. So there are times, and that's where you have to strategically look at the seasons, pre-season, in-season, off-season, post-season. You need to make sure you have an understanding of the ebb and flow. And depending on where you're at... You have to either attack or step back on certain priorities. And sometimes performance outcomes in sport need to take a backseat. If you're truly going to reach your potential and have the highest performance outcomes, sometimes you need to take a step back. Because some of the training that needs to get done in order to set you up for success is not conducive to performance in sport right now. And that's the key, that's a key concept. And with all of this set up, we can now start our training. We can now start our assault on helping you improve your performance in your sport. And again, the priority is the technical tactical side, making you a better player in your position at your sport or whatever your sport might be. And then depending on which window of development you're in and what time of season you're now entering, and also depending on what your competencies are, your strengths, and then also your greatest areas of potential. Once this is all set up and done, we can attack these technical, tactical side, and also on the athlete development side. And on the athlete development side, we have a hierarchy of the foundations of development. It's basically a grouping of all the things you need to address as an athlete. It's the strength training and the posture. It's speed, power, agility, movement. It's visual training. It's psychology. It's injury prevention, rehabilitation. It's all the aspects that need to be addressed if you're truly going to be a well-rounded, robust athlete to become the most coachable player possible. And the sport that you're involved in will determine maybe where that emphasis of training might be. For endurance-type athletes, we're not going to spend a lot of time maybe on speed development. But for speed athletes, we're going to do some endurance, but not endurance like we would with a marathoner or a triathlete. Um, For a baseball player, we're going to spend a lot of time, especially early on, Focusing and developing visual skills and understanding and really mastering vision, visual input. Where a cyclist or maybe a sprinter, we won't spend as much time in that area of training because it's not that relevant to the sport. Or there's different different things you need to address when it comes to visual input. It's all important for every sport, but, but that's an example. And the age of an athlete might play a role here. For younger athletes, hopefully they're playing multiple sports. So what do you focus on? Well, you focus probably more on becoming a well-rounded athlete than specific sport outcomes. Because hopefully, you know, as the athlete gets older, they'll choose a sport. They'll, they'll self-select into a sport they're successful at. Let's face it, we self-select. And that's why it's so important early on in human development, at the grassroots level of, of, of sport, we need athletes sampling as many sports as possible. One, not just to find out what they're good at uh, physically, but also where their mindset will sort of find a home. An individual sport, as opposed to a team sport, um, a highly active sport rather than a slow, more strategic sport, will gravitate towards things we're good at. That's human nature. But also understand we can make you really, really good at something given effort and time and understanding getting good is easy i'm telling you right now how good can you get that we don't know that we don't know until you've gone through a proper process and that's why i say quite often and i say it with incredible confidence we're not seeing the best talent at the highest levels of sport as a matter of fact if you look at the numbers and the issues we're facing in grassroots development and developmental sport. We're probably destroying or ignoring more talent than we're developing. Truthfully, we're not seeing the best baseball players. We're seeing some really good baseball players, but we're not seeing the best baseball players. We're not seeing the best tennis players. We're not seeing the best hockey players. Not yet anyway. Not yet anyway, because our developmental models are incredibly flawed. Go back to our conversation with uh, Joe Baker a few weeks back, talking about talent development in our youth sports systems. Oh, they're so flawed. They are so flawed that, you know, it's impossible. Now, don't get me wrong. There are those athletes out there that are doing incredible things and we love watching them. There's no doubt about it. But I think we could do a better job even for them. I wonder, I honestly do. I watch them going, oh man, how good could they actually get? And some of them are walking that line for sure. And it's so fun to watch. It truly is, and that's why watching the Super Bowl this week is going to be great. The Australian Open is going to be great. Watching golf is great. Watching high performance sport is great. And I often wonder, and I know for a fact, the best is yet to come, because sport is evolving, and right along that, athlete development development is evolving. And that's why looking back at athletes who have been successful in the past, is a futile task, because. We can't train our athletes today like we did those athletes. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot to learn looking back. Look back to learn. We say it all the time. You guys know this. Understand where you're at and look forward to plan. That's what we're talking about today. But, you know, you can't train today's athletes like we trained yesterday's athletes. It wouldn't work. As a matter of fact, those athletes wouldn't be who they are in today's sporting world. They're adapting with sport depending where they're at in their careers. So that's another That's another variable we need to work into our our developmental models. And one that's really not being talked about, unfortunately. So once we get the athlete on the same page, once we've got our philosophies down, once we've got our goals and objectives and our plan down, now we start training. We address everything we need to as an athlete so we can help the coaches, the technical, tactical side, really, really enhance playing performance. And again, remember, sometimes we need to take a step back on the performance side to take five steps forward. And Roy Halladay, in my personal experience, is one of the best examples I've ever seen of that. Getting sent down to A-ball after struggling at the big leagues. And then Doc had a decision to make, and he made the decision. I'll tell you the story one day about the day he made the decision that he was going to be who he turned out being. And um, Gord Ash and the administration and the coaching staff and myself included, you know, we're all part of that process. Nobody does it alone. Doc, trust me, Doc harnessed it and dug in and did what he needed to do. And we were all there just to help out. And that's probably the greatest example recently. The other example I can think of is Tiger Woods changing his swing, being the best golfer in the world, finding a new coach, changing his swing, his performance drops, but he comes back to do things that even he didn't think he could do. But he did know he could be better. But you can't be better doing the same things. That's the key here. So even at the highest level, man, that's the time to adapt and even get better. And it's possible. That's the fun part of it. All. It never ends. So once we start, the athlete before the player, Okay, we do analysis and evaluations. The biomechanics now is incredible, but it's only one piece of the puzzle. There's an organization. We have to understand how we're going to teach. Is it going to be a constraints led? Is it going to be dynamic systems model? Implicit, explicit, all those things put together. But those have to be planned as well. They can't be haphazard. This has to be planned depending on the development of a particular athlete. There are general concepts for sure, but we need to attack the individuals. And then for the organizational approach, when we talk about organizational performance planning, right? we also have to talk about analytics and data. We have to be very, very careful there because as much as that has been changing the way we look at sport, I think it's also setting us back in a lot of perspectives as well. If you were to give me an athlete that you had all your stats and data on, and we took that athlete and stole them away for, for three or four months, we could probably make most of that data totally irrelevant through strategic training and progressive development. The data only tells you what that athlete's able to do right now. And that's a great, that's great that's great data. We use that data to evaluate our, our athletes to see where they're at and to see where they compare to their peers. That's the real value. Of that analytics. And for us, it helps steer our efforts in terms of improving performance. But that's all it is. Right. And for the organization that sees this opportunity. Oh, my gosh. It is such an opportunity right now. Because while everybody's reacting to the data that's there, the the organizations that's, that's in front of that, that's actually working to change that data and blow the competition out of the water. Because now the data has changed. The data is irrelevant. Wow, man. Listen, as an athlete, that's how you make yourself more valuable. And that's the name of the game at the highest level of sport. How do we make you more valuable? Listen, if they have a playbook on you, let's make that playbook irrelevant. If you can't hit the opposite way, let's train you to hit the opposite way at will. If you run a certain route in football and they know that's what you're going to do with a certain route in certain formation... Let's change that. Let's give you the ability to do something else and surprise them. You only need to do it once or twice to throw them off. You only need to make small, subtle changes. A small variation in your game could blow the competition out of the water because all of a sudden their stats and their analytics are irrelevant. And I'm not going to lie to you. That has been a really nice addition to my profession. I I love that. It's really become a really refreshing challenge On our side of it, because listen, the strength side, the speed side, the athlete development side, it's pretty straightforward. We know how to make you faster. We know how to make you stronger. We know how to make you more powerful. We even know how to make you transfer power better. You want to get more throwing velocity? Well, you have to be built for it. You can't just do it. You're going to break down. But if you build up to it, we can make that happen. Or at least we can find out how hard you can throw, how fast you can run, how high you can jump. Because we know that stuff, given time and effort. There's not a lot we can't do on the physical side. But now listen, if you don't have that physical side down, you don't have a chance. Especially in the world that's coming. Because it's coming. So if you're in the forefront of this, you have an opportunity now to become more valuable than you ever imagined. You just have to understand the big picture. And trust me, it's a 30,000 foot view that all of a sudden you got to come down and focus in on where you're at right now and attack. Oh, it's so much fun. So much fun. The athlete before the player, the foundations of development, all those aspects of athlete development that are relevant to your sport and your position inside your sport. And then the technical tactical side, which also has to be done properly. Okay. It can't just be a haphazard cookie cutter. It has to be done properly. The teaching techniques, the coaching techniques, how the coaches talk has to be done properly. And it all comes back to our four priorities, five priorities. If those five priorities aren't in place, you are not at your potential, period. Rest, recovery, and sleep. Nutrition, hydration. Posture, range of motion. Movement. Can you move? Do you know how to move? And then the brain game. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we love what we do. All right? So to sum it up quickly once again, setting you up for success. Okay? You almost have to start at the end. You have to understand where you want to be and then you reverse engineer that to where you are now. And both of those things had better be crystal clear, you know, and where you're at right now, I call it player context. It has a lot to do with your history and where you've come from, it has a lot to do with the way you think and act. And it also has a lot to do with your core competencies inside of your sport. And what do we need to do to help you perform better, to help you become more coachable, to help you execute inside your sport, establish that performance priorities. And then start planning the trip. And that trip is going to be different for everybody, depending on where you're at in your development and where you're at in your career and what you want to accomplish. If you just want to play for fun, you can do this exact process if you're just playing slow pitch and having fun. If you just want to get a personal best, forget about the world stage. Even forget about competitive sports. Maybe you're competing against yourself. Same process. Same process. For recreational athletes, for weekend warriors. Right now, for me personally, I am trying to push my mountain biking to another level. I want to compete at a couple water skiing competitions this, this summer. I've got to get my back fixed, all right? And i got to get this sinus uh, infection under control. All these things are the, the, the problems that we face, and they're attacking those, right? And in the meantime, I'm trying to train and work towards my goals and objectives just like we would with you. It's the same process for recreational athletes. For elite athletes, oh, the thing I love about the elite world— whether it's elite high school, academies, or junior college, college, pro, Olympic athletes. Man, it's, it's so precise. Like the, the small things make a big, big, big difference. Because the competency level is so high. It's a lot of fun. So, so that's sort of the process. And then you have to steel yourself for the ride. Because it's a tough, monotonous, long ride. Remember, remember, top performers make a habit out of what others find uncomfortable or boring. That's the name of the game. It's not glamorous. It's a grind. Be ready for it and enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. If you can embrace and enjoy the grind, there's no telling how far you can go. We'll never find out until you go through the process. But right now, we're leaving more talent on the table than we can ever imagine. That's my opinion. That's my belief. I think I've seen it firsthand. No, I know I've seen it firsthand. And that's why we do the podcast and then we have conversations like this. Okay. So listen, if you have any questions on today's show, please reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Uh, info crush performance is the email. Okay. We're going to have more and more of this stuff this year as we focus in on talent and the crush brain game next week, we will be kicking off our assault on the crush brain game as we work to get a better understanding of how it fits into our hierarchy And what it's truly all about. Again, we're we're on the very front edge of our understanding here. And the technologies, they're developing faster than we can imagine. But they're now allowing us to map, train, and monitor the brain real time. Things we've never been able to do in sport. The brain game for me is the most exciting opportunity in human performance. And we're going to have a really good handle on it together. We're going to have a really good handle on it by the end of this year. We're going to talk with some of the greatest minds out there, but we're also going to tie it into the big picture. Because the brain game on, the, on its own is not that powerful. But the brain game integrated into a developmental process, I think, I think it's going to be all powerful. We're starting to see its influence now. And I can't wait till we get a real good handle on it and, and really do harness it and, and make it part of our systems because we haven't been able to previously. It's been very reactive in the past. We're getting proactive. We're thinking years down the line of what that brain is going to be able to do, what that nervous system is going to be able to do. And a lot of it is just understanding the sensory input, a discussion for another day. And as a matter of fact, we're going to kick that off next week with crush favorite Dr. Martin Mraz, a clinical neuropsychologist and professor at the U of A. We're going to set the stage for the brain game and start our quest into that. Okay, so anybody, I hope today really helped you out. hope to hear from you. And until next week, get out there. Have some fun, stay safe, but most of all, get a little bit better, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride! Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans. Experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Cruschel. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.